Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash GenreCast, where we take a film studies approach to films that will never, I mean never, find their way into a film studies syllabus. This month, we've got a special theme of thank yous and love back to you, the dear listener, because you've given us so much love and given us so many listens over the month of February, so March is all about you. That's right. In March, we are having You Pick the Trash Month. We are letting the listener and any listener who chooses to submit movies, we will, we will do those movies for you and analyze them on the show. Even if that means bending the rules of what trash means a little bit. Yes, I did it. I killed Yvette. I hated her so much. It, it, the, it flame, flames, flames on the side of my face. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. So what's your name, Icy? Stuntman Mike. Stuntman Mike's your name. You ask anybody. Hey, Warren. Who is this guy? Stuntman Mike. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? We are the knights who say... Nee. No, nee. not the knights nee. who say nee. The same! Take this thing out of the case and stick it up your nose. Don't worry, it's self-guiding. But I know you don't want to be here forever. You know, i got things I want to do in my life. Wayne. You got red on you. Statistical fact, the cops will never pull over a man with a huge bomb in his car. Why? They fear this man. They know he sees farther than they, and he will bind them with ancient logics. This week's film, picked by Miss Kirsten Thurkelson, is Jennifer's Body. And you'll hear her disembodied voice here in just a moment as we learn the story of teenage love and how pig's blood can really transform a high school prom. I've been invited to the prom. Prom? Yeah, senior prom. You know, everybody's going. It's that teacher that called, wasn't it? Please see that I'm not like you, Mom. I'm funny. I mean, all the kids think I'm funny. I don't want to be. I want to be normal. I want to start to try and be a whole person before it's too late for me to <laughs> His name's Tommy Ross, and he's a very nice boy, Mama. No. And he promised to stop him and leave you no. before an Emmy and my men. Mama, I'm no, accepted, no, Mama. No, 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 I'm accepted, Mama. I'm accepted. Come to your closet. No. After all you've been taught, Everyone in bad, Mama. Everything in the Come to your closet and pray. Ask to be forgiven. But we'll talk more about that in, in the spoiler area of the film. Let's first uh, introduce your co-host to you all, beginning with our guest host, picker of the film, ma'am, if you would. My name is Kirsten Thurkelson, and I'm not even a backdoor virgin anymore, thanks to Roman. <laughs> <laughs> We're so glad you're here again. Well, um, the other female voice to my extreme left, if you would introduce yourself as well. My name's Alexander Bohannon, and I can take care of myself. I've been using the Bowflex. Thank you very much. The quasi-female voice to my right, if you'd introduce yourself, sir. <laughs> no, that, that checks out. My name is Dalton Stewart, and it smells like Thai food in here. Have you guys been fucking? 
the most masculine voice in the house. If you introduce yourself, sir. I am Martha Gordon, and how could I be insecure? I was the snowflake queen. <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> Glorious. I remember when it happened. My name's Dustin Sells. I'm glad to be here with you all talking Jennifer's body. Again, uh, the story of a spring break gone terribly, terribly wrong, but more about that anon. We want to warn you, dear listener, this is not a review show. It's an analysis show, and that means we are going to avoid spoilers during our synopsis and quick thumbs up, thumbs down review sections of the film. So let's begin with that synopsis from the voice of the cinema, Mr. Arthur Gordon, if you would, sir. A newly possessed high school cheerleader turns into a succubus who specializes in killing her male classmates. Can her best friend put an end to the horror? Thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. I think that summarizes quite nicely what happens in this film. Well, let's begin with you, Mr. Dalton Stewart. What say you in terms of thumbs up, thumbs down review? I am a really big Diablo Cody fan, and I just want to start by saying that because I feel like when there are criticisms leveled against her, it's like, high school students don't talk like that. Yeah, nobody fucking talks the way they talk in movies. Good. Correct. Yes. We should only hear people talking in the movies the way we wish we talk or the way we think we talk, which is why I think people like Tarantino and Kevin Smith's dialogue so much, and is why I like Diablo Cody's movies so much, particularly Juno uh, and also uh, Young Adult. I I, I like both of those films a lot, and I enjoyed Jennifer's body quite a bit. We'll talk about this later on tonight, but the marketing of this film really did not have me interested in it, Um, but... Kirsten uh, is a good friend of mine, a listener uh, in the real world, and has been yelling at me to watch this movie for years and years and years. And so when she suggested it, I was like, okay, we got to do this because I've been curious about the movie, and I'm glad I did. Uh, Megan Fox is perfectly cast in this. I don't think she's ever been better than she is in this movie. And this movie comes out at a point in her career uh, where the the whole conceit of the movie is basically how hot Jennifer is uh, and the way Megan Fox was being – portrayed in popular culture at this point, uh, 2008, 2009. Uh, I mean, really, it's just spot-on casting. And she is so good in this movie. She's so funny. I mean, she, she is just on the ball with her delivery uh, and her comedic timing. It's just really great. Uh, I really like the way her and Amanda Seyfried play off of each other, who is also very great in this movie. I love Amanda Seyfried and pretty much everything I've ever seen her in. You're not stupid, Karen. No, I am actually... I'm failing almost everything. Well, there must be something you're good at. I can put my whole fist in my mouth. Want to see? This film is just a lot of fun, uh, and I think the marketing got it all wrong, because this movie is more than meets the eye, uh, and I really appreciate it. That was a lot of fun. That was very funny. Um, The special effects are kind of cheap-looking in a lot of places, but, I mean, you can't get around that sometimes, especially when you're trying to make a movie uh, that you're not sure is going to make a lot of money. Um... So I think that's fair. Uh, I was really happy to see a young Chris Pratt in this as well uh, for about five seconds. That made my day. Uh, also, young Neil from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. A um, lot, of, lot of fun characters, a lot of fun cast, and just an interesting movie uh, that had me laughing a lot. So I, I enjoyed it. I would give it, oh, three and a half um, disemboweled football players out of a possible six. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Miss Alexandra Bohannon, what say you in terms of thumbs up, thumbs down review? Jennifer's Body is a movie that I never thought I would see. And having seen it, I am glad to report it's not a waste of time. And I honestly enjoyed myself and had a few laughs while watching this movie. Um, it's, It's a really 
interesting portrayal of that kind of hot girl, mean girl dynamic. Um, I find it interesting that it is turning a lot of like horror tropes kind of on their head. Like you'll see these like setup shots where it's like, oh, the scary thing's going to jump out here or it's going to jump out here. And it doesn't. And it kind of thwarts that. And then I, I think back to the initial Jennifer's awaken as a, as a succubus scene. I mean, that's not really spoilers. Do you think? No, the movie's in the Netflix. Yeah. The movie's about a succubi. Yeah. And so, um, that's, that's pretty cool. Diablo Cody's writing is like, I think what Dalton said is pretty accurate. Um, you either like Diablo Cody or you don't. And I, I, I've seen young adult and I did not like that movie. I don't know. Okay. It's not for everybody. Yeah. Um, and there's honestly not a lot, to report here, it's a it's a black comedy, and I, it does things a black comedy does. And I, I would say, while I'm thinking about it, I think the framing narrative is a little wonky, and I think the third act kind of falls apart. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and I that's I I said nothing but good things, and then gave it kind of a middling score. Yeah, that, and that was that why fall into thing. I honestly thought that the end it was going to be revealed that all of it was in her head, like all of it, and she was just justifying. Her craziness. By putting it on the murder. And whenever it comes out to do this, like, weird, um, you know, we got to make sure that this is a full driven plot and there's no questioning mm-hmm. of the ending. That kind of is just like, uh, why, why could you not just, like, leave the door a little open and not have it tie up in such a, quote, happy ending despite the deaths of a bunch of people? Anyway, I'm probably getting too close to spoilers. But I would say that, I mean, it's it's fine enough, I'd say. I'll give it three 9-11 tribute shooters out of a possible five. Well, thank you very much, Miss Alexandra Bohannon. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what say you? Thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. It's, it's a thumbs up. I, I enjoy it quite a bit. I think it's very funny. I think it knows exactly what it's doing at every moment. I think it does it very well. I uh, agree with Dalton in a lot of ways. I think uh, I think Megan Fox is very well cast here. I think it's very uh, important to the, the the work of the film, and it reminds me a lot of something uh, Steven Soderbergh would do with his experimental casting, like we'd see with Haywire mm-hmm. or The Girlfriend Experience or Magic Mike, uh, where he casts a lead uh, for a very particular purpose. That's just so uh, such a spot on casting choice yeah. that it's almost wa- wonky. It's like an experimental type of thing, and I think mm-hmm. it works very well here. And so I can't say anything negative there. I think, again, Seyfried is, is wonderful in her role. Um, some of the bit parts I could do without. Some of the, the supporting cast, I think, are just there to, to fill the roles. And so I'm not as impressed with that. But, uh, I mean, I, I, got, I text the entire gang. This is the second time I've seen this film. Uh, the first time I've seen it, Chris Pratt wasn't an idea. And so uh, watching this the second time, I sent the, the group a massive all-caps text, Chris Pratt, exclamation point. Uh, because it was very exciting. And so uh, seeing some of those things was really fun. I enjoy seeing J.K. Simmons with a hook because, I don't know. <laughs> and weird and, burns and on bad his neck. Hair. And it's another thing in this film, another element of this film that harkens back to a movie I'll talk about later uh, in my else's uh, where a, a comedic presence shows up in the form of a mentor teacher in the film. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's just, overall, I think it's spot on. I think it's really fun. I would give it uh, 32.3 Mysterious Whirlpools to Mystery Zones out of 40. Thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Miss Carson Thurkelson, what say you? A thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. I'm going to try I'm I'm going to try to keep this pretty short and sweet. I mean, obviously I love this movie. I berated Dalton and also <laughs> later the rest of you guys to watch it mercilessly. Um I think that the movie Honestly, I think that the movie does exactly what it sets out to do. It's not necessarily some sort of like 
high-minded artistic piece of film certainly it's fun it's a lot of fun and it has a lot of fun playing with things that you think are going to happen um and tropes that we're all used to in regards to you know your typical horror film or your typical comedy um i just i honestly can't talk about how much i like this movie Um, i think it's a good pick for the show because i think it really exemplifies what we mean when we say good trash yeah i agree with that this is definitely good trash i think i think so too um that being said i give it uh 13 12 orchid corsages out of a possible 13 for myself personally (laughs) that is an excellent selection i like that very much as far as a rating system all right debbie downer i've seen you stewing over there Okay, I didn't hate it. Okay, to be fair, it, it's a lot of fun. I laughed aloud, and so as a as a black comedy, I think it succeeds. Did it meet your laugh out loud threshold? It did not. Okay, and so which is six? And I thought it was, I thought it was four. Is it six? six. I thought it was six. It's, it's you, always been six. You need six out loud laughs for it to fully pass the comedy yes, test. Yes, please pay attention to the words that I say. And you uh, say so many of them, though. <laughs> really? He has nothing on you. Really? I just <laughs> really. I just expect people to tune me out. And I have such beautiful dulcet tones. <laughs> uh, but so so yeah, it, it is funny at times. Uh, there's all that sort of high school stuff that's going on. It is interesting in the mythology of the succubus and uh, sort of dabbling in the occult. There's sort of uh, some fun religious commentary that's running on, and those high school uh, love triangles slash uh, power triangles that are formed at times. And so this is very interesting. I really like the dialogue. I think Diablo Cody's uh, writing is, is great as far as dialogue goes. Narratively, I think it's a mess. For me, it falls apart much quicker towards the end of the first act, probably. And so, I, I you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a waste of my time. It's not a movie that I'd would want to burn up and see the nitrate explode or anything like that. But it's it's not a movie that was that just really blew my skirt up either. And so uh, it, it's a lot of fun uh, in, in a lot of ways. But for my mind, it's it, it, it's meddling fair, and uh, that's that's probably the best I can say it. So I would probably give it a probably two and a half dead goth kids out of a possible six. <laughs> and. <laughs> And there you go, dear listener. Uh, those are our thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. Now you know our biases as they exist. Let's move on to what this show's all about, which is analysis. And we're going to bring some to the forefront. Miss Kirsten Thurgelson, since you are the picker of the film, we give you the privileged position of bringing the first analysis. Oh, exciting. Okay. All right. So the things that I am going to talk about in my analysis are... Primarily concepts of purity, uh, specifically in horror tropes, and how this movie gloriously subverts them. If I had to write a paper on my analysis of this movie, the title would be, Why doesn't Wikipedia have an article on virgin sacrifice? What? Which is, they don't? Uh, which is a thing that I never thought that I would have to learn. Uh, That's fascinating. Yeah, they don't. That's crazy. And Fangoria magazine says, Duh-fuh? Anyway, so... Uh, One of the interesting things about um, the quote-unquote virgin sacrifice uh, in horror movies, um, it's pretty much the one time in the horror genre that the virgins have something to be afraid of. (laughs) Uh, Like in Cabin in the Woods, when they're they're explaining to Kristen Connolly's character... Uh, and she ex- she essentially gets told that she's the final girl, like the virgin. And she's like, oh, I'm not a... And Sigourney Weaver quickly goes, 
we work with what we have. Um, <laughs> it's a great line. It's a great line. <laughs> but so or ordinarily that is the case is that the Virgin is the hero. She's the final girl. Um, and movies that deal with virgin sacrifice kind of turn that on its head as it is. Um, there's a lot of really interesting talk in the film um, specific to uh, teenage girls. There's the, um, there's the entire monologue about uh, what, what is acceptable levels of like sexiness for like going to the rock show. Yeah. Wear something cute and something very specific in Jennifer's speak. It meant I couldn't look like a total zero, but I couldn't upstage her either. I could expose my stomach, but never my cleavage. Tits were her trademark. Those jeans are hella low. I can almost see your front butt. It's a rock show. This is my rock look. But so I thought that that was really, I thought that that was where the film kind of starts touching on the ideas of purity that we often as a society get so caught up in. Um, Something that I had never noticed in this movie before, like I guess I'd probably passively noticed it, but I hadn't really thought to analyze it beyond. Uh, The girl who is, I can never remember her name, but she's All Babies Want to Get Borned. In yes, Juno. In Juno, yes. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I can't remember the character's name. Yeah. Um, her name in this is Chastity. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Which I think I've I think I've laughed at that before because it's just like, God, what a ridiculous name, like for yeah. just a like a passing character in the film. Um But it, which is great because as I'm sure you're about to touch on, everyone's having sex in this movie. Yes. <laughs> Teen sex, everyone's having it. Except for Jennifer. Who's only a backdoor virgin, right? No, no, no. She, she, no, she's, she's, she's not, she's, not she says, even. Literally, not even. Not I'm not even, even a backdoor virgin. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> it's too late for Jennifer in every sense of the word. But so I got to thinking kind of more about this character. Um, some of the like defining, some of the defining character traits of Chastity is that she is, I mean, she's horribly naive. She is arguably the person most like in the throes of the evil satanic band Low Shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um because as she so adamantly shouts uh, at Needy when Needy is telling her, like, that's not what happened. They didn't save anybody. She goes, uh, it has to be true. It's on their Wikipedia. Um, she just just does not even question, uh, despite the fact that she's yelling at a person who was literally an eyewitness who was at the show. So I don't know if any of that was intentional um, in regards to the character, Uh what I think was certainly intentional um, is Diablo Cody sort of poking fun at the idea that this is the concept of purity. The concept of chastity is something that we so heavily identify as like a good, um, like a good trait that we name our kids that like, it's just kind of kind of a weird thing that that's like, a thing that you would sidle your kid with is a name like chastity. Um, yes, that was the next thing that I was going to say though, Dalton is that they were, it's unfortunate for this band. They were never going to find a virgin in devil's kettle. Of course they weren't because there's nothing to do in devil's kettle except there's have sex. There's nothing else to do in devil's kettle, which is true of every crappy small town I have ever been to. Yeah. That there's not even like a movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> so the very first line in this film, hell is a teenage girl. Um, and this film does a lot of talking about how um, 
it sort of takes what, uh, like the bad things in high school, uh, to kind of a supernatural extreme, like mm-hmm. to its natural conclusion. Well, I guess supernatural. It's supernatural. Conclusion. Conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there is a lot of emphasis and talk about insecurity and hormones and the character of Jennifer. That is one of the things that she like, that's one of the things that that demon feeds on. I mean, aside from just human flesh, um, her insecurity. Exactly. Well, exactly. I mean, and the insecurity of others. Like she says on several occasions, I need you hopeless. I need you scared. Mm-hmm. Like, or yeah. And she asks needy whenever she's just about to tear into her jugular the first time. Mm-hmm. Like, are you scared? So it's clearly an important, it's clearly important. I'm actually going to go ahead and disagree with uh, something that Dalton said earlier about this film being uh, like horribly mismarketed. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it was so laughably just like over the top marketed as look at this girl, look at how hot she is. Um, they used, I, I'm positive that they used the, uh, the girl on girl kiss scene a ton oh, a in ton. the trailers. A ton. Yes. Um, and what's something interesting, I distinctly remember yeah. in the naked swimming. Yes. Yes. That too. Um, the thing that gets male viewers into the theater is the same thing that gets you like straight up murdered to death in this universe. Um, so okay, I think yeah. it's a little bit, I think, I think it's a little bit of an intentional baiting almost okay. like exploit like exploitative to the extreme. Almost. Okay. Does that you, you buy that? Yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm picking up okay. what you're putting down. Not only does the quote unquote slut not die first, um, the slut demonically overcomes death and proceeds to become the biggest, baddest mofo you've ever seen using sex and a gaping maw of piranha teeth as her weapons. Jennifer in this movie is somehow both the slut and the virgin, and it just ultimately does not work out well for the uh, male folk of the town. This movie is about specifically teenage girl friendships. Um, It reflects a lot on all of... uh, just all, all, all of the different aspects of lady friendship. In fact, I mentioned to Dalton whenever we were watching this movie, I had this friendship. I lived this friendship. Yeah. I was needy. And that is... That's all I got. That's all I got. Read this movie. Thank you very much, Miss Thurkelson. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what say you in terms of analysis? Oh, what I want to talk about for a few minutes is the commentary that needy in the film... Uh, makes in which, quote, the whole country got a huge tragedy boner for Devil's Kettle, end quote. Uh, which is a Such g- a good line. Uh, which is a great comment on culture and the media's need to get off on any major tragedy that occurs. We see this very early on hinted at in the film. We already brought up the joke, uh, but the post-9-11 shooters, the, the twin towers that are red, white, and blue, and Tower 1 is less full than Tower 2. That is just the most distraught I've ever seen her look. Yes, <laughs> she, is, she is tragically upset about that. Uh, we see this also in the film uh, with the indie band Low Shoulder, uh, who become overnight celebrities following the tragedy at Melody Lane. Uh, their song becomes an anthem for the community, and they even allow 3% of sales uh, from the single to go to those affected. Uh, this is continued uh, throughout the film following the death of Judas and Jennifer's other kills. Uh, when Needy calls the band on their exploitive greed, uh, she is crucified by her classmates who have sold out 100% to Low Shoulder. Uh, their heroics must be true because it's on the Wikipedia. 
this commentary is extremely striking in light of the post-9-11 world we live in, a world in which almost every mainstream uh, country act wrote an anthem of national pride about our great country. Uh, if there's anything Americans do good in times of tragedy, it's sell products of any sort. Oh, yeah. This big dog will fight when you rattle his cage. And you'll be sorry that you mess with the U.S. of A. Cause we'll put a boot in your ass. It's the American way. I mean, anytime a celebrity dies, you need only look to Amazon to confirm whether or not they're really dead. Because their products will be like the most selling things on Amazon. And then wait for the four posthumous records that they made yes. uh, after their death. Uh, but we will gladly buy card magnets, bumper stickers, albums, and another of, number of other nonsensical items to show our unity and support our communities that have undergone tragedy. Uh, this is typically the action that we take to satisfy our moral consciousness. Instead of going out and offering a helping hand, we drop 5 to $10 on some cause, and then we can sleep very peacefully at night because of that. Well, that's just crass. Instead of buying a magnet for your car, you know what you could do to support tragedies? Uh, you could turn off the voyeuristic news that promotes itself and creates pandemonium and go out and do something to help. Uh, Preach. Go work in disaster zones. Uh, following the tornadoes a couple years in the Midwest, uh, in Joplin and here in OKC and more, uh, we saw uh, quite a bit of people who actually went out and did some good work uh, in the, the Ground Zero and worked alongside and with those that had been impacted by the event, clearing homes, recovering possessions, and feeding, clothing, and boarding those people in need. Uh, so the next time a major tragedy occurs, go out and do something to help. Do something to actually impact the people involved instead of buying that special one-off record or single. Uh, instead of purchasing a mass-produced item uh, for your car, donate blood or uh, go out and help and show some love on some hurting people. Well said, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Indeed. Thank you very much for that. Miss Alexander Bohannon, what say you in terms of analysis? Uh, today, for my analysis, I'm going to talk about microaggression theory. Um, microaggression theory is a sociological, psychological phenomenon. It's a form of unintended discrimination. It's depicted by the use of known social norms of behavior, or expression that, while unconscious choice of the user, has the same effect as conscious intended discrimination. And uh, Chester M. Pierce coined the word back in 1970 to specifically cover race, but this also has a broader implication and usage now to cover um, LGBTQ discrimination, uh, obviously racial discrimination, gender discrimination, gender identity, identity and um, also... Um, mental illness as well. One of the things that I keyed into while watching this film that I found really interesting was for the first time ever, I I was hearing how actual high schoolers... I, I want to quibble with Dalton's thing that high schoolers don't talk this way. I think high schoolers actually talk this way. Oh, no, no, they do. It's just not as clever. I guess. Yeah, oh, you know, yeah. They, they the, swear the that way. Yes. It's it. Th this movie talks as clever as high schoolers think they sound. Exactly. Though yeah. a, a stab teenager would definitely say my tit before my heart. <laughs> yeah. So that's accurate. <laughs> yeah. I I want to say that. Okay. So cool. As long as we're on the same page, they're definitely not. 
the cleverness is definitely, you know, a, a, a clever writer writing in the way she thinks high schoolers sound. And high schoolers thematically do sound this way. I just kept on keying into how this is, you know, small town USA, predominantly white, except for Chastity and Ahmet from India, who is credited in as the Ahmet credits, from India. Ahmet from India. He is yeah. credited in this manner. And doomed to die. And and doomed to die because he is not a part of the uh, majority, which is white, Anglo, heterosexual people. Um, I do find it interesting that I specifically keyed on, on that and the usage of the word retarded because this is one of my things that I noticed that I don't really hear that thrown around on much media while people do use it in a in the pejorative sense, retarded meaning um, bad, terrible, awful, um, just how people use the word gay or that's so gay to mean all these bad, um, bad themed words, which things. To be fair, I feel like at the time that this movie came out, that was a little bit more, I don't want to say in vogue. Oh, yeah. But. I feel like we've come a long way from totally. It's a minute from the '90s, but it's still pretty close. No, I know, and but what I was just going to talk about today, I agree totally um, that we as a society have come from using that. Hopefully, more in popular media, but at the same time, it is an an unintended form of discrimination when people are using words like retarded in such a pejorative sense because I still hear people use it that way. I have to, you know, sometimes I find myself slipping into that mode of, of talking and I uh, try and correct myself as quickly as I possibly can. The other issue, the Amit from India thing, that being his whole name, it, it being that is his whole identity is also kind of a way of discrimination, another kind of microaggression because he is not a part of the you know, almost 99% white people at this tiny, tiny Midwestern high school uh, where I do not recall ever seeing a person of color besides those Ahmet two. and Chastity. And yeah. Chastity, and that's it. Um, that is also an intended form of othering discrimination that keeps him a part of the the main. And so whenever Jennifer goes to him, is like, does anyone know where you are? Does your host family know you are? He's easy. He's easy pick off for her because no one it's sad, but no one in that universe gives a crap about Amit from India. And it's because he, I would hypothesize it's because he's been othered so consistently and he hasn't been included. Maybe if he had some friends, they would have been like, Oh, do you know where Amit, not from India? Do you know where Amit meant? I don't know. He, he, I guess he slipped off. Maybe they would have figured out to look out for him. Thank you very much, Miss Alexandra Bohannon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what bring you in terms of analysis? Well, I want to talk a little bit about exploitation. It's already come up uh, in a different context with Arthur uh, and Kirsten's analysis. Uh, but I want, I want to discuss sexual exploitation, the exploitation of sex. Sex sells. Sexploitation. Sexploitation sells. Uh, low Shoulder wants to sacrifice a virgin to the devil so that they can become famous. This film was marketed as super sexy. Girls are going to kiss. Maybe you'll see. Um, maybe you'll see specifically Megan, Megan Fox's Fox. titties. Um, go see this movie. And, and what this film does, uh, which is really funny to me, and Kirsten again touched on this. 
the marketing of this film is so heavily focused on selling sex and using sex to make money. Um, and then what happens in the film? We're using an act of, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say sexual violence, but specifically gendered violence to get means to an end, which is money, 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 and power. Um, which, again, it's kind of a happy coincidence that that just so happens. Now, again, you looked at that happy coincidence in another way, Kirsten. I'm looking at it in terms of the entire inciting incident in this film is an act of exploitation. I can see that. I was reading it more of as like a mirroring almost of what happens in the movie. It's like the movie lures you in with sex. And then the movie is going to bite your head off. Exactly. And that, that's the one way you looked at it. I, I happen to notice another way thinking of – because I couldn't – I remember the marketing campaign of this film was pretty aggressive. Uh, and, and when we find out why Jennifer is a succubus, I, I couldn't help but think they're exploiting her. They're using using her to meet their ends. And what does media do? It uses women and their bodies to make money, and it turns them into to a commodity for purchase and for sale. And what this does – is makes all of us worse people. It makes Jennifer a monster um, because she has lost her own identity. She has lost her goodness uh, and decency. I mean, she was kind of an asshole, but she wasn't a bad person. Um, mm. Well, debatable. But she she went from kind of a shit to a full born full blown monster uh, through this act of exploitation. And I think what the you know, I think what the film speaks to is this larger issue of how this exploitation is damaging to all of us, how it hurts our, you know, acidifies and makes toxic gender identity and makes people shameful and makes people feel okay about exploiting each other or being exploited. Um, and, and I think that's a serious problem. Uh, and I, I think the film is doing something interesting, uh, whether intentional or not. Uh, again, we always talk about authors intent to be damned on the show, but I think uh, Diablo Cody is a, a very smart woman. Um, so, you know, reading anything into her films, I think, is valid uh, because who, who knows what she intended. But but I think with Jennifer's body, I mean, you know, low shoulder is just making money off of a violent act against a woman. And the studio behind Jennifer's body, which was a, Fox Atomic, which was a very short-lived Fox sub-studio that was, you know, making genre films, they're trying to make money off of selling Megan Fox's body. And Megan Fox is making a career off of selling her sex uh, in a very cheeky and self-aware manner, I think. Um, But it didn't go very well for her. I mean, she's kind of fallen into obscurity at this point. So really, I think at the end of the day, what we're doing is cashing in and taking a short-term gain over a long-term loss, which is really just making all of us feel shittier about our own bodies and feeling shittier about each other and making it more okay to use people as a commodity and to trade and sell human beings uh, for flesh. I mean, what happens after she's exploited? She then exploits – her flesh is exploited uh, in the marketing and in the act of violence for money. And then what happens? She ends up literally using flesh as a commodity for sustenance which I think is very interesting. Um, so again, I, I think what this would speak to is just how damaging that exploitation is because the end effect is uh, low shoulder gets murdered, Jennifer murders a bunch of people, and then she ends up dead again. She ends up doubly dead, and Needy ends up in an insane asylum, um, all because we're trying to make money off of the backs of other people and treating them uh, as less than persons and treating them as something to be bought and sold. 
Well, thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. I'm going to sort of read this film a little bit against the grain. I, I totally believe the director and Diablo Cody intended to make this sort of rah-rah feminist film, um, but my reading is that they failed to do so. And, and the reason why is... is for some of the reasons that you suggest already, Dalton, is that it avoids the standard tropes of exploitation that sort of characterize and typify the marketing campaign in which you were expecting a lot of great girl-on-girl action a la Mulholland Drive. You were expecting perhaps to see nude scenes and other sex scenes of Megan Fox's body, that the film is in, in fact titled Jennifer's Body, that that's going to be what this movie's about. And of course, it still remains that uh, in, to the extent at which the camera continues to ogle her body. That the way the film is put together is that it is a voyeuristic view of her body as this sort of typical feminine beauty. And then her character, who is sexually active, but to an extent also it's true that she is as those uh, musicians from Low Shoulder suggest something of a tease when we see the event in the bar where she says, oh, he thinks he's cute enough to talk to me, and that she is completely using her sexuality in a way to get what she wants. She suggests to Needy, whose name I think is meaningful, that her boobs are smart bombs from which she can get what she wants, and this is before she's demon-possessed. When she becomes demon-possessed, she's really no different other than she eats people. There's really no massive transition in her character. That's fair. What, what, what ends up happening is she gets an STD from the penetration that she receives from the characters in Low Shoulder, and then she becomes vengeful and mean and cruel because she's continued to be this sort of promiscuous character. So it, it, it throws a lot of shade on sort of a liberated sexuality, but it also throws quite a lot of shade on Needy's character, who is in a, 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 what we'd call a heteronormative relationship that seems to be quite healthy. Chip seems to be a pretty stand-up fellow. Um, I'd go out with Chip. I mean, he's pretty great, right? Young Neil like a motherfucker, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I really, really like Chip. Uh, and, and then when, um, you know, and as Kirsten mentioned, there's this sort of reading that she's been gay all along, but the only time she ever acts on her homosexuality, latent or otherwise, is after she becomes demonized. That the mnemonic in her sort of makes her this man-praying man-hunter. Now, what's interesting about Needy, who is not traditionally beautiful, who would be the more typical, I think, target of a band like Low Shoulder when they're searching out for a virgin, though she is not also in the film. No one is. <clears throat> no, no one is. Um, but she it seems to be a more typical sort of selection for that, is, is that Needy herself becomes this sort of man-killer uh, towards the end of the film, that she in, also becomes infected by Jennifer's violence by virtue of her friendship. But, go ahead. What I alluded to in my initial review is I, I really, really wanted my way I thought the movie would turn out where she's actually just completely psychotic, justifying um, in her own mind. I mean, in having legitimate psychosis to think that she could kill Jennifer because Jennifer is actually demon possessed. That's why she's so mean to her and that she just stays in an institution forever. I would have been much more satisfied with that ending versus, Oh yeah. So uh, she actually does have supernatural powers. She's going to go and take care of the bad guys. She gets off scot-free. I, that felt like a very kind of like musical theater ending. Everyone gets a happy ending. Like, Wicked. Uh, anyway, <laughs> sorry. That's a soapbox for another time, but. Yeah, a- absolutely. And what's interesting is that there's sort of like three major tropes of woman in the film. So we have Jennifer who plays something of the whore, and we have Needy who is something of, you know, she's sexually active, but she's at least serially monogamous. We do the best Girl with next what door. we have. Girl next door. 
uh, sort of thing. And then we have Chastity, who is othered by her race. And in the end, none of them are, uh, as far as their actions go, they become these violent sort of, um, either victims themselves, who are less than persons in the case of chastity, or they become, again, these sort of man-hating sort of characters, in which there really is nothing constructive, there really is nothing that moves forward. The fact of the matter is the patriarchy is not brought down by killing low shoulder. That's not that's not what takes place at all. What it what takes place is okay. Either there's girls who's getting a lot who are really hot that we like to look, or there's girls who are less hot and they're dangerous and maybe possibly lesbian. And the 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 film seems to my mind suggest that there's something is fundamentally evil and demonic about womanhood, which. At this point, I submit the creme de la creme that the swirling kettle of demonic activity is a giant aquatic vagina in the film, which is the devil's kettle whirlpool. And uh, it's I, just again, a hell mouth. It's a hell mouth that looks again like a vagina. And again, the penetrating device makes its way through, co- accompanied by a few balls. I'm just saying. Oh Jesus! Oh. <laughs> And so I always where, love Dustin's Freudian readings. Where does the evil come from? It comes from a woman's nethers. It, 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 is it what it seems to suggest as a film? And although, again, I think Diablo Coley is, 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 is her feminist credentials. I'm not going to question them or impugn them in any way. But what ends up happening in a in a society in which we live under patriarchy is that the film itself, as a final product, as you examine it, and as you examine, even though the exploitation doesn't happen in terms of nudity, in terms of graphic sex, in terms of sort of this lesbianism on display, even though it doesn't happen in those sort of ways, what happens narratively with the film, and as far as its imagery, again, pointing back to Devil's Kettle and the actions of Jennifer and the final actions of Needy, who again, is this needy woman because she's not getting what Jennifer's getting, is they become monsters, both of them. She's been bitten by the monster, and she herself is a monster, and then the one chaste woman is othered in such a way that she's negligible she's unimportant and and so for for my money again i I like the film's fun and i I think the intent seems to be clear to me just to my mind they seem to fail um and i know that's the rough thing to be saying at this point but um again this seems to be the hell mouth is the woman's nethers and the woman itself is the source of evil you know hell thou hast a name and thy name is woman hell is a teenage girl yeah and and I, I no, it's not. They're they're human beings. They're they're half the human population, and you know, fearfully and wonderfully made, and all those other things. And it seems to fail to affirm those things that are most important in my mind. Well, that was fun. Well, dear listener, I believe there's controversy here on our analysis, and we'd love to hear your thoughts and contributions to that. But before we get into all of that and give you opportunities to uh, give us feedback, let's render a final verdict: shelf or trash, and our else's or instead's. I begin with you. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what do you say? Shelf or trash? Else or instead? I mean, it's certainly watchable, uh, no doubt. And if you know that people are going to watch it with you in a group setting, then absolutely. Um, but if you're just thinking, I need more movies in my life, you probably don't need to buy this one. Uh, it's not streaming, uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, so that does make it kind of hard to see. But if you know somebody that owns it, just watch it with them. Or if you have a large group of people that would like to see it and you know, you've got extra money to burn... Get it, but you know it's not an essential part of your collection. But I definitely think you should watch it. Uh, should you find yourself with the necessary time to do so, to pair with it. Um, so the DVD copy of Jennifer's Body has a trailer for Whip It, uh, Drew Barrymore's directorial debut, starring Ellen Page, uh, which is a film I just love dearly, and it is all about female aggression, but is about uh, a healthy 
uh, exercise of aggression and about identity and finding yourself and being a teenage girl. Um, and obviously, it's not supernatural. Um, it's just about Ellen nice Page point. wanting to do roller derby. Um, but I think they would make interesting pairings. I would have to watch them. You know, I'd have to watch Whip It pretty soon to know for sure. Uh, but that trailer immediately made me want to watch Whip It, and I think they might pair well with each other, if only for the identity aspects and the um, you know high school setting. Uh, I'm also going to recommend you check out the 2013 Evil Dead remake uh, because it's a, they're both female fronted horror films that are lean darkly comic. And Diablo Cody did punch up, uncredited punch-ups on the Evil Dead uh, remake. And as I've said before on this show, that is a movie that fucking hates you and does not want you to be happy. Uh, but it's a lot of fun, uh, and I like it quite a bit. Last but not least, talking about um, taking the normal high school experience and taking it to its supernatural conclusion, obviously you should watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer because that's what Joss Whedon did for seven seasons and a movie, uh, as the case were, or a movie in seven seasons uh, more accurately. So... Go do that, listener. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Miss Kirsten Thurkelson, let's say you shell for trash. Elsewhere instead, I think there's no doubt here. Well, this movie is literally on my shelf. Uh, I am responsible for at least uh, two of the people in this room having seen it. I don't know. I will agree that it's not for everybody. I don't think it's like a quintessential part of your viewing experience. I think that if you are into things uh, such as horror or um, specifically horror comedy, uh, that this is definitely a shelfable piece. Um, As far as else, um, I would say Heather's um, would make a really good pairing uh, with this film. I like that. Um, if you want to talk about, if you want to talk about female relationships and maybe hating all of your best friends. I love my dead gay son. (laughs) There's also just a really lot, like a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, um, plot mirroring. Yeah. Well, as soon as you, you, you mentioned it while we were watching, you mentioned Heather's and I was like, oh my God, yes. Spot on. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of familiar plot beats. Sure. For sure. Particularly the town grieving. Yes. Which is before you even mentioned it. Our flaming I just, little shit. Our flaming little shit. Yeah. Yeah. I love my dead gay son. <laughs> um, another, uh, another pairing that I would put with this movie, um, I'm going to go with a video game pairing, mostly because I've heard Alex before, so I know that I can do it. You can do um, it. It has been done. I Lots. would argue for, uh, because I love a good terror boner. We've been taught that Heather's is a tragedy boner. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a really big fan of a good terror boner. I'm I would interested argue, in this. Very, very much. Do tell. Uh, I would argue uh, for uh, Silent Hill, um, yeah. any number of the Silent Hill games, specifically Shattered Memories, because that game is crazy interactive. And if you pick up, if you pick up like bathroom porn within the game, it will actually make your monsters like more busty or vaginal or uh, more sexually yeah. monstrous. Yes, Dustin what? Is terrified. Yeah, oh it will uh, customize your experience yeah. uh, the for the worst. ultimate Freudian horror. Yeah, Slash by, best. By, by, yes. all, by all accounts, it's a mostly uh, failed experiment, but definitely an interesting one, to be sure. God. <laughs> the, the game tried to, like, get psychological input from the player and find things that would horrify them, basically. And yes. Again, by all accounts, a failed experiment, but definitely an interesting one. But... Those are those are my else's. Those are good else's. Thank you very much, Miss Kirsten Thurkelson. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what say you in terms of uh, shelf or trash or your else or instead? I kind of want to say shelf it. I uh, picked it up for $4 used, and so I'm not opposed to uh, putting this on my shelf because it is now there, and I, I enjoyed having a reason to go revisit it. So thank you very much. 
It was it's fun to rewatch. Uh, I would say else, um, as I mentioned much much earlier in the show, uh, uh, another uh, horror film that this draws a lot from, I think, and uh, several characteristics that are ever present, and a movie that Dustin just adored and lauded and talked for hours on end about how much he loved, uh, and that's Robert Rodriguez. The fact I knew it was yeah. <laughs> Ooh, showdown. You are dead to me. I want to see that movie so bad. I, I think this draws a lot from that. I think it pairs very well with that Absolutely. film. Absolutely. Uh, and I was referencing J.K. Simmons in this and parallels with John Stewart in, in The Faculty, and I think okay. that's fun. Yeah, um, definitely. I would also say you watch this with Brian De Palma's Carrie. Good pick. I think that, that pairs well. That was going to be one of definitely. mine. Definitely. I would say also uh, I think this would pair uh, with the – um, the book ending of the uh, Asylum, I would say this pairs well with Zack Snyder's Sucker Punch uh, as well mm. in a lot of narrative ways. I find that one as troubling for the same reasons. Oh, I, 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 Sucker Punch is a very troubling film, but I think narratively they have a lot of similarities, and I think it would be an interesting back-to-back. No, I think you're right on there. I appreciate that very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Miss Alexandra Bohannon, what say you? Shelf or trash? Else or instead? I would say stream it but it's not streaming so torrented um i don't feel like it's essential viewing uh but i i would encourage you if you have a copy to to give it a go it's definitely a way to have some laughs and then have some horror it's probably the best you'll ever see megan fox and um for that reason alone give it a give it a watch um uh, besides carrie which was going to be my my number one pick for this because of the the horror Mean Girls and um, High School. I would also recommend the movie Mean Girls because that has a lot of the the dealings with um, girls yes. in high school. Um, written by funny feminist writers, directors, um, meaning Tina Fey and, and Diablo Coley, of course. And then um, not another teen movie for yes. a more critique on roles of high school people in high school. So um, for that alone. And then just... Go out and watch Guardians of the Galaxy if you want to see more Chris Pratt. There you go. There you go, Arthur. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much, Miss Alexander Bohannon. What I would say in terms of shelf or trash is it's definitely not a waste of time. It's a movie that's worth seeing. For $4, I think you should buy that. $4. I Death. think... It is not an expensive film at all. All the movies you should buy for four dollars, though. So let me let me clarify a little bit there on that. So if you can find it for that, then by all means pick it up. I would not go to some sort of uh, book or film selling, video selling uh, warehouse in which you had to pay fifteen dollars for sort of that. Standard, you don't need it on Blu-ray for the standard DVD. Yeah, it's no, you really, really don't. A streaming price is fine if ever it becomes available again. Streaming, and I think that's fine and also dandy. In in terms of movies that are still problematic, but I think less ambiguously feminist, I want to recommend um, three films by Catherine Briel, who's a French filmmaker, so many of you will not know these films, but I want to recommend Fat Girl, I want to recommend Bluebeard, and then uh, Sleeping Beauty. All of those films, I think, are excellent and uh, good selections for that. And then finally, in terms of an English-language film that, again, I think is properly feminist and does trouble feminism in, in excellent ways, but I think still remains firmly on the side that uh, the woman is fundamentally good and wholesome, and that's The Duke. And that's a reading move that I'm making when I do that with The Duke. but I don't think a dude could have made that movie. And uh, so I'm going to go that far with that, and I'm going to suggest uh, Jennifer 
Kent's excellent work there, perhaps also her short available on YouTube and various other sort of streaming means monster that inspired uh, the final making of the film. So those are my recommends. Thank you so much, dear co-hosts and guest hosts. We're so glad to hear the conversation that we're having so far, and we would love for the dear listener to continue participating in that conversation in further matters and further means, and we do that through social media. Mr. Arthur Gordon, do you know anything, anything, anything at all about social media? Uh, I have a couple nuggets of wisdom. Uh, first and foremost, you could email us at goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. Uh, you can connect uh, with us through Google at Google Plus and leave us some feedback there. Uh, also, you can find us on uh, Facebook, facebook.com forward slash goodtrashgenrecast, one word, and we have a bit of feedback coming in from Facebook. Do tell. Uh, Caleb Masters commented on our moon post over on uh, Facebook, saying, Good on you, Arthur, for recognizing the undeserved work of Clint Mansell from Aronofsky's entire filmography. Speaking of which, has the good trash genre cast ever reviewed an Aronofsky film? Well, Caleb, no. No, no we have not. I don't... Yeah, we'd be really stretching uh, good trash for that. That would have to be a, a host pick or a listener yeah. pick or a do cinema pick. Noah could be conceived Noah, as good trash. Possibly The Fountain. Po- yeah, Fountain I, might be good trash Fountain's a masterpiece. Definitely I don't not know. the wrestler, though. Maybe Black Swan? Oh, Black Swan. No. no. Black Swan's good trash. It, no. no, it's, no it's, or is it just bad? It, 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 it's real high middle brow, for, yeah. at the very least. And that's all I have coming in from Facebook. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, you know anything else about social media means? He listens to Maggot Rock. He wears black nail polish. My tweets are bigger than his. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find the good trash genre cast on Twitter at good underscore trash that was not a description of me in high school maybe a little bit i almost thought about saying dustin fill in the blank but well you know when when it's two on the nose right it is two on the nose you know sometimes the the low-hanging fruit you just gotta let it lay well brother do you have any feedback coming in from the uh, twitsy twitter we do not no we had a pretty quick turnaround time uh between last week and this so no new feedback on twitter right now but uh we always do love getting that feedback from you listeners uh your retweets and your favorites help uh, expose us to uh, a larger audience help us pick up followers on the facebook uh, every tweet, every time we post an episode, I tweet a link out, and uh, you can just play it right there. If, uh, when that link is on there, uh, there's just a little play button right underneath the tweet, and if you hit that, it'll redirect you right to a, uh, a in-phone media player from Podbean, and you can listen to the episode just as easy as that if you don't want to do iTunes or any of that other nonsense. Um, but iTunes does help us get more listens, so you know, maybe do that. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Well, enough of this foolishness. Guys, it's time to play the game. This week, we're playing the game of Mismarketed Films. That's right, Mismarketed Films, brought to you by Jennifer's Body. Jennifer's Body. Turns out you don't see Megan Fox's boobies. Uh, Moving on, then, what are your selections for favorite Mismarketed Films, Miss Alexander Bohannon? I would recommend to you the following Mismarketed Films. Um, for, I know, two of which we have done on this show. 
Um, one would be American Psycho. I, I was kind of young when this came out, but uh, from what I understand, the, it was marketed more of, oh, this is a slasher movie, not necessarily as an overarching commentary on capitalism and other things You can hear and me, female violence. You can hear uh, a couple of really wonderful rants on that episode, dear listener. Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorites. Another one, another show pick we've done on this show is Clive Barker's Nightbreed, because I don't think anyone knew how to market that. That movie no <laughs> at no, all <laughs> not at all not at all and uh my last uh recommendation and i don't know this is mostly from a personal reason why i think this film is mismarketed and one of my favorite mismarketed films is um wolf of wall street now i don't know if it was legitimately mismarketed or if my father just had this reaction to it but my dad goes in to watch the film and is and just tells me all the horrors about he's like oh there's so much drugs and so much sex and blah 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 and it's not so much that maybe the film was mismarketed but in it was almost like misrepresented in the film that's like the only takeaway that everyone just remembers the drugs and the sex whereas it's really another critique of Corporate capitalism. There's a story a, to this movie. <laughs> yeah, another critique of corporate capitalism and at a time of, um, you know, great wealth and great inequality and such. So. Go, go on. Miss Alexander Bohannon, what say you, Mr. Dalton Stewart? Well, I want to give out give a shout out to a much maligned filmmaker, and that is M. Night Shyamalan, uh, whose film The Village I think is severely underrated and underperformed because it was marketed as a horror film, and it is not. I like that point, sir. Well done. Yeah, The Village is is really good. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say his maligning is unfair because he's made some bad movies. Uh, let's I not think kid Shyamalan on the whole gets mismarketed as horror a lot. Yeah, he does. Say. Signs was mismarketed yeah. as horror, but The Village was very heavily marketed as horror and it hurt it big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Village came across as like there's a monster in the woods. What and are the people going to do? That's maybe 5% of the yeah. story. Yeah, it's That was an inbreaking of the voice of the cinema just now. Did y'all hear that your listener? Yeah, it was really good. Um I really I I have had a very strong aversion to the village for a long time cuz I I heard nothing but bad things about it and I think a lot of that is due to the mismarketing of the film and I really think you should check that out. Uh, secondly, a film that's mismarketing didn't hurt it, and that is *Inglorious Bastards* by Quentin Tarantino, which was very much marketed as an action film. Um, 
you know, it had Tarantino's name on it, so his loyalists were going to go see it anyway. But I think because it was a World War II film and because the trailers featured a lot of action, I think people who wouldn't have seen it otherwise went and saw it and ended up being a huge box office smash. Um, because even though it wasn't what they were expecting, I think people ended up really enjoying it and exposed people to a film they might not have otherwise seen. So I, I think mismarketing can, you know, hurt a film and help a film. Uh, and those are my picks for uh, my favorite mismarketed films, or at the very least, uh, the first two that immediately jumped to my mind. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Miss Kirsten Thurkelson. Yes, indeed. Hello. Um, so some of my uh, favorite uh, mismarketed films, first of all, you're next. We've talked about it. For more information, see that show because... Because um, you're on it. Because I'm on it. And, and it's it a shameless self-promotion. It was and a, it's good, a good, good episode. It was a good episode, yeah. But yeah, they marketed that as exclusively a home inv- invasion flick, which... It's not. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It reverses the tropes by the second It's act. not the movie that you think you're going to see yeah. at all. Um, another one that I feel like a lot of people... Um, don't like because again they thought it was going to be a movie that it wasn't uh adventureland um yeah was marketed as a uh, i mean as like a teen comedy like but it's way more like a dramatic coming of age yeah type of, that's a good movie it, it is and again i think that it gets i think that it gets a lot of flack because it's not the movie that people think that they it, are it was seeing. marketed as a judd apatow flick yes and it's not at all right yeah i like mm-hmm. that movie a lot um and do to do Oh, and my third pick is Drive. Yeah, a film we or, have a lot of love for on this show. Oh, I love that movie. Or, as some people like to call it instead, sit and stare. <laughs> because there is a lot of sitting and staring. Because there's about 30 seconds of car chase, and it was all in the trailer. That's a good, that's a good car chase, though. That's a real good car chase. Thank you very much, Ms. Thurkelson. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what are your picks? I think I can add one to this uh, conversation, and that's going to be J.J. Uh, Abrams' Super 8. Uh, Good pick, yeah. Which I think uh, came across in much media as an E.T. alien invasion type film. It's not that. But was Don't take just your kids to see that movie. Stand By Me. Uh, My kids were quite disturbed that I took to that movie unknowing. Yeah, it's a, uh, it is quite different, I think, than many people expected it to be. Uh, it's a good movie. I enjoy it quite a bit. However, it... it was not, I think, what it was marketed to be. So that would be my uh, contribution to this conversation. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What I would say in terms of my picks, I want to reiterate Alex's pick of Nightbreed, which was my own, which, again, was marketed as something of a slasher film. Check out that episode for more information there. Uh, furthermore, I want to uh, mention Harmony Corinne's Spring Breakers, which was, um, I guess, something of a Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue marketing campaign. And um, there's a bit of that in the movie, uh, a bit more of that than, say, the marketing of Jennifer's body, but it's totally not that. So I saw this movie on a date with my wife. Weirdness. She's um, she's a very, very... Harsh. Um, no, no. The, the harsh. Harsh! Film critic. She's a lovely you woman. You call my wife harsh? Harsh film critic. I will kill you in your sleep. I adore your wife. I was going to say... She um she has the patience of Joe being married to me. 
and my weird sort of artsy film. She, uh, she, she watches some movies with you that no normal person would bother to watch. Correct. And speaking of no normal person bothering to watch, next week's film is going to be Harmony Corinne's Spring Breakers. So, dear listener, start watching out for that. But we have more to announce before we get to that point at the end of the show, which is what we always conclude our shows with, that which has us fired up this week in pop culture. Hey, Dalton. Yeah? You fired up this week? A little bit. Uh, so by the time you've listened to this, uh, listener, the sixth season of Community will have started. It started on March the 17th on Yahoo Screen. So by the time you're listening to it, the first two episodes should be available. I have not watched them as of this recording, but I could not be more excited. Uh, by the time I watch them, I'll probably let you know what I think. Um, but, you know, you guys know how much I love Dan Harmon and love Community if you've been listening to the show for a while. Um, so I'm just really excited to see what that change of format does. Uh, Harmon was like, well, the show's over. Um, and then, and, and basically made some statements saying like, it's probably good that it's over. And then when talks of reviving it came about, he's like, yeah, of course, if they revive, it, I'm going to do it. Cause I love these characters. Um, and I want to make my fans happy. Like I want to keep putting good stuff out in the world. So I'm curious to see where it goes. Uh, I, Kind of asterisk next to that, um, if you're interested at all in community outside of just watching the show, Dan Harmon's uh, documentary about his live tour of his podcast, Harmontown, is now streaming on Netflix, also titled Harmontown. You should check out that podcast because it's a lot of fun, but I've seen the documentary. Uh, I think I might have talked about it on the show before, actually. Uh, if I haven't, it just follows them on the road going city to city doing this uh, live show of the podcast and kind of really looks at who Dan Harmon is as a person. And it's a very, very interesting, very fun documentary. Speaking of live tours of podcasts, your listener, there's been conversation. We had a great time having a live show not very long ago. And uh, we're thinking about doing, I don't know, a, a Hollywood movie, a, a major studio film, uh, something with the distribution outlet um, this time instead of an independent feature. So if you have any selections or suggestions for a possible live show, We'd love to hear that. Also, if you're uh, even if you don't really have a suggestion, but you're definitely that's something you're interested in hearing, let us know. Uh, we, we'd love to to hear what you guys think about another live show because we had a lot of fun doing that first one, and it's something we've kind of been kicking around doing again. Lastly, uh, recently released on Steam and PlayStation uh, Plus and all other sorts of of uh, gaming uh, outlets uh, of a non-physical dis- sort of distribution. Hotline Miami 2, wrong, wrong number, number, is now available. Now, listeners, you might recall that I talked about the original Hotline Miami probably two weeks in a row because I was playing it so much. Uh, Dustin even was fortunate enough to get to watch me play it a little bit. Yes, I was. Um, so, obviously, I'm very excited about this. have not played it yet, but it is something that I'm looking forward to downloading after I am done sinking 70-plus hours and, go- and counting of my life into Dragon Age 3. Because I can't, I can't quit it. I he just can't, can't quit you. I can't do it. I have, I have to finish this game before I start anything else. It's sucking my life away. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Miss Alexander Bohan, are you fired up this week? Mr. Arthur Gordon, are you fired up this week? A couple little tidbits. Uh, the first thing I'll mention is that Kevin Smith has announced that he is doing a sequel to Mall Rats, his sophomore film, 20 okay. years after the fact. Okay. Which should be interesting. Mall Rats is often 
I love mall it's rats. It's a divisive film. I think some people love it. Some are a little less warm on it. Yeah, it's one of his uh, of the VUSQ universe films. It's probably the, the the least well received, but I like it a lot. I I know people in both parties. I personally, it's maybe my least favorite of those original trilogy. Uh, but it's it's got some solid stuff, and and it'll be interesting to see him revisit those characters and and kind of see where that goes. Uh, at this time to catch up with those guys 20 years later. And uh, Kevin Smith's a great writer, and so I think he can do it justice. Is, is, is not such a great director, but yeah, definitely a good writer. Is is he still doing Clerks 3, do we know? I mean, that was supposed to be a thing. Um, nah, who knows? The money's If the money's there, I'm sure he'll do it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I think. And so... Talk about, speaking of Shyamalan uh, earlier, talk about somebody that kind of a weird up-and-down career, Kevin Smith. Yeah. I, I think at some point he just quit caring what critics think, and so he just does what he wants. And, yeah. and there's something to that, I think, uh, as an artist. And so that's fair. Give him credit for that. Uh, the other thing I'll mention is I'll I'll bring up some nerd roots uh, of my own uh, this weekend. Uh, hopefully, while you're listening to this, uh, is WrestleMania uh, the yes the Super Bowl of all wrestling events. WrestleMania uh, 31 uh, coming from California, and so it's a it's a very uh, interesting. Uh, year Vince McMahon has been questioned quite a bit by the internet and the things he's doing and and the decisions he's making as far as his main show uh which is worlds worse than than what is going on down in Florida with NXT and it's like two completely different promotions and so I think WrestleMania will be a very interesting uh show and and specifically a a tell for the future of the company and the direction it's going those two uh, sisters that are on NX, uh, on the main show, I remember them coming out and saying, you know, how can, you know, and Divas and NXT get like a full, like they get the the top of the card, like yeah. their, their match is the top of the card and we get like five minutes and we're supposed to be on like the main show. This is supposed to be more illustrious. And I think that's really interesting, especially I really dislike how the main show handles their female characters. Continue. So, yeah, I, I think it'll be an interesting weekend. Miss Kirsten Thurkelson, are you fired up this week? I am. I don't know if you guys uh, have uh, had it. Well, I know that Dalton has uh, had a chance to check this out. Or I don't know if you guys have talked about this on the show, but I have been watching The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and it is the best thing ever. Yes. Action. Go, if you have Netflix, go watch the show. NBC pooped the bed on this one by passing up a really fantastic uh, Tina Fey penned uh, comedy. Um, so good. Yeah, we, I think I talked about it a couple weeks ago, but I'm so glad you're watching it. Yeah, it's fabulous. <laughs> Again, the whole thing is on Netflix, so <laughs> any number of people that I've met have been like, oh yeah, I watched the whole thing in a night, or like... Well, thank you very much, Ms. Thurkelson. Um, what I would say in terms of my fired upness is two uh, bits of pop culture consumption. One that has is about to happen. One that is happening is uh, my home is now the new residence of a. Now, this is this this also determines sort of how far off the cutting edge I am as far as technology goes. But I actually do have gaming news in my pop culture fired upness. Go on. He finally there, got that Atari. <laughs> Man, Swish. that Super Nintendo Entertainment Ping. System must be really working out for you. So I was going to say we got a PlayStation 3, and I was going to ask for recommendations, but I don't even care anymore. <laughs> no, seriously, I really do want recommendations because I don't know anything. 
the the Uncharted series is really good. It's basically Uncharted uh, two, one, two, yeah. and three. I mean, it's basically uh, Indiana Jones the game. Yeah, they are. I'm in. Also, the Arkham games are right up your alley. Oh yeah, yeah. I like the Batman. <gasps> oh my yeah. gosh, you would love. Yeah. Oh my gosh, especially the 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 first one. No, oh. the second one. Yeah. Oh. But but yeah. the scarecrow stuff and the yeah uh, he would love that you're he right would love that. the first two are great games they're yes. phenomenal games yeah. those are definitely worth it yeah you should do that bro all right well thank you very much I'm done being smarmy and mean you guys were being mean to begin with and I just threw it back but anyway I have one other thing that's going on in my pop culture consumption uh, I watched the last final episodes of Constantine from NBC which oh, yeah. is probably not going to come back to NBC they're looking really really hard to maybe air it on the Sci-Fi Network. And so we'll so see. So NBC's not going to pick it up. Doesn't seem like it, uh, which is too bad. Uh, it's really a quite good show. It really, they 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 consign it to to uh, sort of ratings hell by putting it Friday nights at nine. So it really didn't have a chance to start with. Poop the bed. I know, right? And and so they they, they NBC again. You're failing. You're failing miserably. But I did pick up the two first 250 issues of Hellblazer. <laughs> Uh, Some light reading <laughs> and a normal reaction to that. Were they all single issues, or <laughs> because I don't have enough Constantine in my life? I'm not going to discuss the means by which I accomplish this feat. Okay, but um, I'm glad to have them, and I am very, very entertained and amused by that. And so uh, the back catalog from DC and eventually Vertigo Comics, um, Hellblazer, which is the John Constantine series, I recommend most highly to you all, dear listener. Well, that's a show. That is a show. Thank you so much for listening. We've already heard that next week's show is going to be Spring Breakers. It turns out we're agents of chaos. And that's what we want to bring to you a little bit, dear listener. And so take a look at that. Take a look at the film of this week, which is Jennifer's Body. Have a conversation with somebody because really that's better than the movies. The movies are great. They're a lot of fun. They're very entertaining. But really what makes life worth living is having a conversation about how life works, about the, how the world is organized, and to develop further understanding of who we are as human beings. That's why we do what we do. We hope you go ahead and do that alongside us in your own circle of relationships. And we'll see you next time.